this is <coughs> this is uh, are we on we're on this is a meeting of the Recreation and Park Commission with the secretary please call the roll yes Commissioner Buell here Commissioner Anderson here Commissioner Hallisey here Commissioner Jupiter Jones here Commissioner Louie here Commissioner Mazzola here and Commissioner Griffin has an excused absence the San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission acknowledges that we occupy the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatishaloni peoples, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. We honor the Ramatishaloni peoples for their enduring commitment to Mother Earth. As the indigenous protectors of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatishaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As stewards of parkland, we recognize our duty to honor the Ohlone through thoughtful and informed preservation and interpretation of ancestral land. As uninvited guests, we affirm their sovereign rights as First Peoples and wish to pay our respects to the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatish community. We ask listeners to turn down your televisions and or computers while listening on the phone. We ask for your patience if we experience any technical issues. Public comment will be available for each item on the agenda. Each speaker will be allowed two minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during the public comment period are available both in person in City Hall Room 416 and via phone by calling 415-655-0001. And today's access code is 2492-098-8894. When you hear the agenda item you would like to comment on called, dial star 3 to be added to the queue to speak. You will be lined up in the system in the order you dial star 3. While you are waiting, the system will be silent. The system will notify you when you are in line and waiting. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open. Everyone must account for the time delays and speaking discrepancies between live coverage and streaming. Additionally, in room 416, we have comment cards in the front of the room, and if you'd like to comment in person, you can fill out a comment card. Alternatively, you may submit public comment in either of the following ways, by emailing recpark.commission at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be included in the legislative file as part of the matter. Written comments may also be sent via the U.S. Postal Service to San Francisco Recreation and Park Commission, 501 Stanion Street, San Francisco, California, 94117. Please note that this meeting is being recorded. And also, please note that today we will not be hearing one of the items on our agenda. It is item 10, Gene Friend Recreation Center Contract Award. Again, we will not be hearing item 10. We are now on item 2, continuation of remote meetings, which we do every 30 days. Would you like a motion? I would love one. Thank the you. The chair would entertain a motion for item 2 on the continuation of remote meetings. Second. There's been a motion and second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Okay. <coughs> We are now on item three, the president's report. Thank you. Um, I have two items this morning. I just returned from uh, New York City yesterday, and uh, when I was there, I always enjoy going to the Highline Park, which is uh, one of the great urban attractions in this country. And I was introduced to a new element that is not actually part of the Highline, but adjacent to it and the Hudson River Park. It's uh, Little Island at Pier 55. I mention it. Uh, for a purpose that will become clear. This is an artificial island uh, on the Hudson River uh, adjoining the Hudson River Park, and uh, it's West Street and 13th Street in the Meatpacking District. 
<clears throat> it's uh, located slightly west of the Manhattan shoreline atop the Hudson River Pier uh, and connected to the Hudson River Park. Uh, just a few pieces of information about it. The land covers 2.4 acres and is supported by 132 pot-shaped structures called tulips suspended above the water, which in turn stand on 280 concrete pilings extending into the riverbed. The tops of the pots range from 15 to 62 feet above the mean water line. The installation of the pots, uh, blah, blah, blah. The park has various lawns, paths, and plants, which were arranged by landscape architects, the plantings and soil, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Little Island has a small stage and three concession stands, as well as a 687-seat amphitheater. Now, <clears throat> I can't adequately describe what a gift this is to New York City, but it's an extraordinary thing to see, and it's jam-packed with families of all ages, of all colors, and kids just really having a wonderful time. My point in mentioning all this is that it was funded by uh, Barry Diller and Diane von Furstenberg. It represents philanthropy at its best, and I'm sure, while they don't mention the number, that it's well in excess of $100 million to do this project. And uh, because there's been so much recently about uh, philanthropy and the parks, I just want to mention that world-class cities don't just happen. They happen because the people who live in them care about them. And enough said on that. I recommend you all see Little Island. Now this. Oh well, just we coordinated this I morning. I want you to, to know. That. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I say you take us on a field trip. <laughs> yeah, field, yeah trip. field trip. Good. Let's see if uh, I think Mr. Ginsburg probably has an account. He could fund all this for us. <laughs> 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 all right. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I was forwarded uh, a uh, email from uh, uh, Robert Hall, uh, which included a report from Dominic Moser, uh, and he said, this morning I did a walking loop of Golden Gate Park west of Highway 1, 19th Avenue, with a focus on breeding birds, mostly some things I thought worthy of sharing. So these are the birds that he saw in Golden Gate Park on his little journey. A red-shouldered hawk with three active nests, black-crowned night heron, uh, woodpeckers, nuthalls, uh, outnumbered downy seven to three, uh, warbling vireo uh, singing in North Lake, only vireo of the morning. Uh, Bewick's wren, a family group, adult and two hatch birds, uh, house wren, three birds singing, Pacific wren, western bluebird, red-winged blackbirds, pine siskins, several birds, uh, Wilson's warbler. Uh, I mention that because who knew? You know, if you just spent the time and walked around, and, and uh, particularly if you had a birder with you that could identify them, it's not a bad way to uh, appreciate another gem of, in our city. And so thank you to uh, both Dominic and uh, Robert Hall for forwarding that. And with that, that concludes the President's Report. Thank you. Is there any public comment on the President's Report in Room 416? Okay, seeing none, I'd like to ask SFGovTV to tell me if there's anyone with a hand raised on our call-in line. As a reminder, you dial star three to raise your hand. 
No hands raised. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. We're now on item four, the general manager's report. Good morning, commissioners. Uh, I'm Denny Kern, the director of operations. Uh, Phil, uh, your general manager, our general manager is in Sacramento today and tomorrow with his state park commission uh, uh, activities and responsibilities. So uh, you have the B team today, but I will do my best to hold, up, hold it up. The, I do have the, the GM report uh, for you from, uh, from Phil. And uh, it is, uh, we'll start off with June is Pride Month. And I'm very happy to report that our parks and public plazas will be the site of numerous celebrations. We have the Pink Triangle up on Twin Peaks. The Trans March will be here, uh, be held Friday, June 24th, tomorrow at Dolores Park. The event kicks off at 2 with the march beginning at 6 p.m. And this is one of the largest trans events in the world. Uh, the festivities continue Saturday starting at 9 a.m. with the San Francisco Pride Run in Golden Gate Park. This is a 5K loop course that 10Kers get to enjoy twice. There is also a kids dash before the race starts, food, entertainment, awards, community activities. And then, of course, there is the biggest of all the Pride events, the celebration at Civic Center Plaza on Saturday and Sunday, June 25 and 26. Uh, they will be each day, 11 to 6 p.m. Performances, food, revelry, dancing, fun, Rec and Park employees will be marching in the June 26th Pride Parade with our fellow COVID-19 responders from uh, DPH and MTA. And in addition, starting Saturday, you can catch Art and Pride 20, 2022 Age of Aquarius exhibit at the Harvey Milk Center for the Arts. Moving on to Juneteenth, also this, uh, this month, I'm happy to report there are several events honoring black culture throughout our park system this weekend. The public can celebrate Jazz Teenth at the Golden Gate Band Shell Friday, Saturday. Uh, first, Illuminate will present Victor Wooten and the Wooten Brothers on Friday, June 17 at 5. Then on Saturday, from noon to 4 p.m., the Fillmore Jazz Ambassadors presents an evolution of America through jazz, featuring a series of renowned local performance, including the John Coltrane Church Zazz Ensemble, Lady Bianca, the Charles Unger Experience, and more. These events are part of Lift Every Voice, a series of free concerts hosted by Illuminate and the San Francisco Parks Alliance in partnership with our department. Also on Saturday is San Francisco's Citywide Black Student Union's first annual Juneteenth Festival from noon to five at the Jerry Garcia Amphitheater in McLaren Park. The free family-friendly event will promote local entrepreneurs, creators, and artists while celebrating the varieties of creativity within black culture. There will be entertainment, food, games, performances, and vendors. Lots of food and vendors this weekend. Uh, another Saturday celebration, the Juneteenth Freedom Celebration, will be held at the Fillmore Mini Park by the Black Community Equ Equity Group and the San Francisco Rebels. The event will be held from 11 to 6, featuring a domino tournament, three-on-three basketball tournament, and community vendors. And then on Sunday, join SF Black Wall Street for its Bayview Juneteenth and Father's Day celebration at Gilman Playground from 11 to 5. The event will include fo more, more food, more vendors, uh, the Black Millionaire Marketplace, uh, performances, amusement park rides for children and community resources. Lots going on this weekend. Uh, and we also have, we, we have the AIDS Memorial Quilt in Golden Gate Park. And thank you to everyone who joined us last weekend in Robin Williams Meadow 
for the largest display of the AIDS memorial quilt in San Francisco history. It was the 35th anniversary of the quilt and Reckon Park was honored to be a part, major partner for this historic event. Just like Golden Gate Park, the quilt is a national treasure that connects so many people around the world. We say the Golden Gate Park is the keeper of San Francisco's stories. And in that way, it was the perfect venue for the quilt. Each panel tells the story of love, loss, comfort, compassion, and protest. Among the speakers joining Mayor London Breed for the opening ceremony on Saturday were Harold Phillips, the White House Director of the Office of National AIDS Policy, and Admiral Rachel Levine, the Assistant Secretary of Health for U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and she is the first transgender federal official confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Last weekend, Stern Grove. Stern Grove Festival made its triumphant return with Oakland Legends Tower of Power and Too Short for the Free Festival's 85th season. These artists were to play the finale to last year's season, but as you know, a water pipe break forced cancellation. Monday, uh, Sunday also marked the reopening of the majority of Stern Grove to the public after that major flooding incident and its, uh, its renewal. Uh, and then I'm going to deviate from all of the weekend uh, and uh, past and present and future events here, and I'd like to introduce a very important person to you here. I'd like to ask Nick Williams to, uh, to come up uh, to, the, uh, to the podium there. And uh, commissioners, I'm very happy to inform you that the department is excited to have our new superintendent of recreation and community services officially on board as of May 23rd. Is Nick Williams right there before you, and Nick comes to us from Oakland, where he served as the Director of Parks, Recreation, and Youth Development. Nick brings many years of leadership experience as a parks and recreation professional. In addition to his six years uh, as a department head in Oakland, he held significant executive management positions in parks and recreation departments of Minneapolis and Atlanta. His remarkable accomplishments in each of those positions clearly distinguish him as a national leader in our recreation mission, and we are very grateful to have his exceptional vision and professional expertise here in San Francisco. Yay! So, commissioners, with your permission, I'd like to ask Nick to just uh, address you, to make a few comments, if you're okay with that. Please do. Welcome aboard, Nick. Thank you, um, uh, commissioners and members of the public, colleagues. I'm very uh, pleased and feeling very blessed to be in this position. Um, this is my fourth week um, on the job. And I have seen some remarkable facilities, and I have interacted with some remarkable people. And so I am ha very happy to be here working with the city, of San city and county of San Francisco. And I look forward to working with uh, each of you individually and collectively. Thank you very much. We Thank look you, forward Nick. to working with you. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Nick. Well, commissioners, wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> the William Hammond Hall Awards, and we are looking forward to the commission hosting the 14th annual William Hammond Hall Awards on we this Wednesday, June 22nd, from 3.30 to 5.30 uh, at the TPC Harding Park Clubhouse. Mayor London Breed, along with you, our Reckon Park commissioners, and General Manager Phil Ginsburg will recognize the 12 employees for their excellent work in stewarding our city's parkland. The ceremony will also be live streamed on SFGov TV. Uh, and then there's also Skate and Place here in Golden Gate Park. We were thrilled to reopen the famous Skate and Place after installing a psychedelic ground mural on the newly repaved asphalt. The mural by artist, longtime skater 
Uh, Amy Bruckner-Stevlin pays tribute to the history of roller skating in Golden Gate Park. It's colorful, vibrant, and fun as the skating community itself who have been making magic there for decades. The minimalist design of the uh, mural also serves a purpose, providing spatial orientation to skaters to maintain their balance as they circle around and over it. And the durable coating is expected to give the mural longevity and ward off peeling and fading, even with heavy traffic. And it will be easy to maintain and to retouch when necessary. So we invite everybody uh, out to the new mural and skate in place with a community event uh, this Saturday, June 18th from 11 to noon. Uh, I'm going to deviate from the script I was giving here, and I would like to also, uh, in, in, I'm sure the commissioners know, but just to invite everybody else to, uh, to know that uh, our summer camps are in full tilt right now. They're, they were all, they started last week, and they, were, and they were all officially opened this week. And I know that uh, because of a couple things. Number one, uh, all of our summer campers got a summer camp t-shirt, and Commissioner Vanita Louie is wearing her, <laughs> hers right here uh, for the, the 2022 camp season. And also, uh, if you go online, I'll have a, a print copy here. We have our summer camp catalog, which also features Commissioner <laughs> Vanita Louie, uh, drenched in Rossi Pool, along with our oldest recreation participant, Willard Harris, uh, who's 102 years old and is swimming at Rossi Pool. Uh, Bravo. I, I invite you to go online and, uh, and take a look at the, all the great stuff we have going on uh, in our summer camps. Yep. Uh, commissioners, maybe one day we can invite Willard to come to sure. one of our commission meetings. I would love you to meet yeah. her. She's amazing. All right. And a question I have is, who is Vanita's agent? Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting a lot of bookings, Vanita. <laughs> <laughs> commissioners, that, uh, that concludes the journal manager. Thank you very much. All right, so we're now on public comment on the general manager's report. Is there anyone in room 416 who would like to comment on the general manager's report? Okay, seeing none, if there's anyone on our line who would like to comment, you can dial star three. SFGovTV, okay, it looks like we have no hands raised. So seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. We are now on item five, general public comment, up to 15 minutes. This item will be continued to item 12. At this time, members of the public may address the commission on items of interest to the public that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. With respect to agenda items, you will have opportunity to address the commission when the item is reached in the meeting. So is there anyone in room 416 who'd like to comment during general public comment? Okay, seeing none, if there's anyone on our line who would like to comment, you can dial star three. Okay. There's no one with their hand raised. Seeing no comment, public comment is closed. We're now on item six, the consent calendar. Would you like anything removed from consent? Anyone? Item B, please. Item B. <coughs> okay, so what we'll do is we'll um, take a motion to remove that from consent um, and a second. <coughs> sure, uh, I assume they're moved by Commissioner Mazzola. Is there a second to remove it? Uh, there is a second. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. <laughs> okay, so we'll take um, item 6B separately after we vote on the rest of the consent calendar. Great. Um, <clears throat> I assume that there's no public comment on the consent Thank calendar. Thank you. Um, is there any public comment in room 416 on the consent calendar? Okay, seeing none, I believe we have one hand raised um, 
on our call-in line. So SFGovTV, you can unmute the first caller. Hello? Hello? Hi. Um, yeah, I'm commenting on the Louis Shutter, which is, I believe, item F. Yep. On the consent calendar. Yes, yeah, so in the previous um, reports, there was a lot made of mention of people caring about their parks. And I, um, this is a very small project. It is installing ceramic tile on the Louis Sutter Roundhouse. We've been um, uh, offered a temporary permit, and I would urge the commission to give a full permit. This is a very small enterprise, um, much like the sculpture that is in the uh, Murphy Park, um, the range of uh, so an installed sculpture, and also the beautiful tiled dragon by Colette Crutcher uh, on 24th Street near York. Um, so um, we would like to move forward with this. We small neighborhood group went and got a community challenge grant to help pay for this installation, and we'll also do um, community fundraising. Um, but our grant uh, does not allow us to enter into an agreement with, for a temporary permit. And reading the temporary permit, it does not seem to match um, what, what we're up to. Um, and it is also financially beyond our means. So um, anyway, I'm just uh, making comment to support the fish towel project at the Louis Sutter Roundhouse and hoping that the small neighborhood group, Health McLaren, can come to an amenable agreement with Reckon Park as to the um, permissions, permits, and uh, maintenance plans. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. All right, is there any other comment? Okay, we can put it up on the... Um, I'm Bruce Stone with the uh, Marina Harbor Association talking about item C, the uh, contract for Moffat and Nichols. Um, in general, we agree with this proposal. It's a great engineering firm with a lot of experience. Hold on one second, Bruce. Okay. SFGovTV, can you put the pro uh, projector up on the, thank you. Okay, go ahead. Uh, we agree the Moffat and Nichols is highly experienced firms, done a lot of work for the harbor. It's very efficient uh, to hire them. Uh, we disagree with some of the scope of work that they've been assigned to to work on the community voters the voters were not involved at all in the engineering project scope and the idea of taking out half of East Harbor and leaving it as open water we think is a waste of a very valuable resource I put together a uh, concept for a community boating center in that shallow water and we think that rather than a stand-up paddle lake as envisioned by the by the head of Reckon Park we think the area should be exploited for the benefit of uh, young people in San Francisco to be able to boat in there and learn to, learn to sail. Um, and this is a facility that's modeled after those in other cities. Uh, so I appreciate that you would consider having this as part of the scope being handed to the engineers to study. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> is there anyone else in the room who'd like to comment on the consent calendar? Okay. Seeing no further public comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners? I, I have a request to speak. 
Oh, oh, I'm sorry, Commissioner Anderson. <laughs> um, well, I actually have a question um, for you, President, or um, anybody else if you don't know what to do. With the woman who spoke right before Mr. Stone about whether or not to have a temporary permit, if I understand her correctly, it sounded like they weren't able to get their grant money if the word temporary was used. And I also read the memo, and it looked like the word temporary was used, but it was a permit to allow them to operate for 10 years in conjunction with basically some friends of the McLaren, which doesn't sound very temporary to me. What I see perhaps is needed is a permit with conditions, and I'm just wondering if we can um, work on this to help them get their grant money, also with the understanding, though, that the park doesn't maintain artwork, so the friends still have to do their work. Can, can we help in some way on this? Well, I think we can approve this today, and I think we can bring it back with a modification if there is a way we can help, but I'd defer to staff and how we of might course. be able to do that. Uh, would staff like to comment? I don't want to open a can of worms here. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be helpful here yes. with, no, with our community and the artwork. Yeah. Thank you. Hi, Abigail Mayer with Rec Park Partnerships team. No problem, I'm happy to answer questions about this. The group is Help McLaren Park. They're a wonderful, well-established group. They are working with an artist whose name is Hudson Lanier, and Hudson Lanier has three to 400 ceramic tile fish, and he has proposed installing them on the exterior of the roundhouse in Lewis Sutter Playground. Um, as you, well, you know, as you know, there's McNabb Lake right there, and so the idea is that these fish would remind people of the wildlife in the lake. It would beautify the roundhouse, um, and would just add some excitement and joy to the space. The department, as you said, Commissioner Anderson, does not maintain um, our work, and the department was especially concerned about hundreds of tile fish. Help McLaren Park has secured a grant from the city's administrator's office, and I've spoken with the woman who runs the grant program, and she did say that if a project is in, you know, in the park for up to 10 years, then that is okay. They consider something permanent up, up to 10 years. Um, so that is kind of the solution that we've come up with with Help McLaren Park is that the department will allow them to install the tiles on the roundhouse and we will ask them to do any repairs or maintenance or if a tile breaks, they'll put a new fish tile back um, and then we'll reevaluate after a few years to make sure that it's safe and that it looks good um, but yes, the concern was just the ongoing maintenance and perpetuity. So the reasonable solution was to work with them on a temporary permit, but that would be, hopefully would last at least 10 years. Okay. Does that help clarify? So we can clarify? leave it on the consent calendar and vote on it as right. is. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay, any other questions on the consent calendar minus item B, I believe? Um, Chair would entertain a motion. So moved. Been seconded. moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Okay, so we'll now take item 6B that was removed from the consent calendar, and I think we can start by having Commissioner Mazzola maybe explain 
why you took it off the consent calendar and then staff um, are available. We have David Froelich and Kelly Rudnick on the uh, WebEx and we also have Stacy Bradley here in person. Thank you. Um, so obviously I'm not on the capital committee. I read through this the other night looking at the agenda and I just um, was surprised to see that we had no bids on this and I was just wondering if I could get a little bit more of an explanation of why staff thinks that happened. Good morning, commissioners. My name is David Froelich, uh, project manager with Capital and Planning and uh, project manager for the India Basin projects. Um, we uh, did a lot of research and checked around and uh, we believe this project is a very complex project. It, it includes four buildings. One of them is a historic renovation. Uh, it includes shoreline work, work within the water, um, site work, uh, utility work, and a lot of the contractors we spoke to um, kind of gave us the feedback that uh, a project of this this magnitude and of this complexity, they typically don't bid on uh, and they would prefer to bid on a, a CMGC type of contracting method or an, an alternative contracting method than the design bid build method that we were we were bidding at. Okay, so so now now what happens you, you you go to you go to a specific contractor and negotiate with them from that, here that is correct yeah we we go to a, a specific contractor and we we try to work with them on uh, getting a bid price that will will meet our needs has that contractor been picked we it has not been picked that's what why we're here today for approval to negotiate we have been doing initial conversations with swinnerton contractors our swinnerton builders um uh mostly because they were interested before uh, the bid, they were uh, interested during the bid process and uh, continued to, to be interested afterwards. Uh, they also meet all of our minimum qualifications. So we had a lot of really strict minimum qualifications on this project because of the complexities. Um, and I think a couple other things they have the experience uh, working on this type of these types of projects they worked on uh, or they partner with um, uh, a sub that worked on the uh, San Francisco fire fire boathouse so they have marine work they've worked in the water um, they uh, we believe they can work with a community and and higher local higher hyper local and uh, meet uh, a lot of our goals for the project and for our equitable development plan which is important for us Great. Appreciate the explanation. Thank you. Any other comments or questions on item B? Hearing none, the chair would entertain a motion. I have to take public comment. Oh, yep. go ahead. Is there any public comment on item 6B in room 416? Okay, seeing none, does anyone have their hand raised? Nobody has their hand raised. Thank you. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. Chair would entertain a motion. So moved. Second. Moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioners. Okay. We are now on item seven, the San Francisco Zoo. Good morning, commissioners. Can you hear me? Um, I'm Nancy Chan. I'm representing San Francisco Zoological Society today. 
Um, I'll just uh, have a few things to report. Um, this past week, we recently acquired three 10-week-old yellow-crowned Amazon parrots that were confiscated by U.S. Fish and Wildlife upon entry into the U.S. Um, they sought us out for our expertise in hand-rearing parrot species. Oh, sorry, is it not working? It's not working. It's, you have to get a little closer. Okay, and to provide a permanent home for this trio. Um, as you know, wildlife, oh, sorry, wildlife trafficking or illegal smuggling is one of the largest threats to South American birds. To give you some statistics, in Brazil alone, more than 12 million wild animals are poached there each year to meet the global demands for illegal wildlife. Um, they're being called uh, curious and playful. <laughs> if you want to know, they're being hand reared. Okay, I'm going to change. Yeah, you can this do that one. one. I'll, I'll let them know. It's okay. Okay, testing. That's good. <laughs> okay, next. Um, we have some exciting bird hatchings. We hatched a laughing kookaburra chick recently. Uh, we are one of only a handful of zoos to successfully raise several laughing kookaburras. Um, they're native to Australia. You can recognize them by their laugh call. Um, this season, too, we have successfully hatched five Magellanic penguin chicks. Um, Magellanic penguins are a near-threatened South American penguin species breeding in, um, in Argentina, Chile, and the Falklands. We have the largest colony of Magellanic penguins in North America with a population of 62. But judging by the recent transaction, it looks like we're less than 62 <laughs> right now. Um, guests can see the chicks with their parents until they're pulled in uh, a short time for fish school, where they'll learn how to eat fish by hand, swim, and socialize with humans and other penguins. Is it still not sounding okay? It's better. Okay. This one's exciting. Oops. <clears throat> we have uh, two prairie dog pups that were um, born this year, and in honor of Mr. Ginsburg, <laughs> we've named one of our two black, uh, new black-tailed prairie dogs, Phil. Um, our prairie dogs reside in our meerkat and prairie dog exhibit located in our youth exploration zone. Um, and you can see this very social species in the repl replica desert and grasslands habitat. Um, some, some recent animal birthdays. We recently celebrated the birthdays of, um, of Gahati, our greater one-horned rhino, who turned 27 years old. Um, this species lived to 35 to 45 in the wild and up to 45 under human care. Um, he received a San Francisco-themed setup made up of blue barrels to replicate the Golden Gate Bridge. He came out and immediately knocked the barrels down and went for the treats. <laughs> Um, and our snow leopard cubs, female Jinx and male Casper, were treated to an amazing three-tiered birthday cake and presented to them last week to celebrate their fourth birthday. Um, if you want to see videos of the birthday celebrations, be sure to check out our social media and TikTok. Um, June 8th was World Oceans Day, and as you know, we are uniquely located across the Pacific Ocean, making us a truly coastal location. A lot of our messaging focuses on coastal conservation and our connection to the ocean. Throughout this year, we will be making an effort to increase ocean awareness to our guests, and we look forward to sharing more with you soon. Um, happy Pride Month. Um, throughout Pride Month, our animal care staff will be celebrating Pride by offering our animals special enrichment, and even our gift shop has created a huge Pride collection for our visitors. So we uh, encourage people to come out. Um, next week is National Pollinator Week. 
Um, more than 20,000 species of insects, birds, bats, and other animals contribute to the pollination of wildflowers and crops. During this week, we will celebrate pollinators and spread the word about what we, have to, uh, we can do to protect them. The zoo is an excellent place to see beetles, bees, butterflies, and hummingbirds in action. And on June 21st, it's the longest day of the year, and it's also known as World Giraffe Day to celebrate the animal with the tallest land animal in the world with the longest neck. Uh, world Giraffe Day brings awareness to the challenges giraffe face in the wild. At the zoo, we have reticulated giraffe, one of four distinct species. Giraffes face uh, threats from habitat loss and fragmentation due to growing human populations and urban development. On June 21st, we hope you'll join us in standing up for giraffes and happy summer solstice. And I have two more other items just to add um, that I don't have slides for. Today, we're celebrating the warriors in social media. So you'll see some things that the animals put out for our animals, go dubs. And July uh, 4th weekend, we'll be doing a Red, White, and Zoo barbecue at the zoo. Oh Thank you. Thank you. Is there any public comment on the um, San Francisco Zoo report in room 416? And anyone on our call in line? Nobody's hand is raised. Okay. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. Any discussion on this? Comments, questions? Seeing none. Very right. nice report. Thank okay. you very much. We are now on item eight. 770 Woolsey Street acquisition set aside. SFGovTV, can you put up the computer presentation? Good morning, commissioners, general manager. Uh, my name is Yael Golan, and I'm the acting deputy director of planning at Rec Park. I'm joined today by Abigail Mayer, the deputy director of partnerships for the department. We're here today to talk about the 770 Woolsey site and the resolution before you to set aside funds to acquire part of the site in the future. I'll start by providing some general information about the site the neighborhood and the acquisition opportunity, and then Abigail will walk you through the future partnership and the terms of the resolution before you today. 770 Woolsey Street is a vacant parcel located in the Portola District that was once the University Mound Nursery. The nursery encompassed a full city block, including redwood and glass greenhouses, which were built 100 years ago and are the last greenhouses in San Francisco. The decaying remains of the inactive greenhouses are to be removed and the land is in need of remediation. The site totals 2.2 acres and is bounded by residential buildings on three sides and a reservoir on the remaining side. In 2016, the Friends of 770 Woolsey and the Greenhouse Project first reached out to Rec Park to form a potential partnership with the goal of acquiring part or all of the 770 Woolsey site. From here on out, we'll collectively refer to these groups as the neighborhood groups. The neighborhood group's goal is to develop 770 Woolsey as a working urban farm with educational and public programming components with Rec Park support and partnership. The site is currently owned by 140 Partners LP, 
a developer who proposes to demolish the existing structures and construct 62 residential units and 62 off-street vehicle parking spaces, as well as rebuild two of the existing 18 greenhouses, preserve the existing boiler room, and create a community space. The EIR for the proposed development project was certified, and the project was approved by the Planning Commission in November of 2021. Supervisor Ronan brokered the deal, providing the neighborhood groups with an op option to acquire all or 40% of the 770 Woolsey Street site from the developer. The resolution before you today is for a set-aside of up to $3 million to acquire a 15 to 20% portion of the site, should the entire site be acquired by the neighborhood groups. Rec Park staff and the neighborhood groups have worked together to develop a public-private partnership to realize this vision. Our work together was complicated by the behested payments legislation, which is why we're here today discussing a set-aside rather than an acquisition and a partnership agreement. Abigail will provide more information on this later in her presentation. If the neighborhood groups are not able to buy any portion of the site, the developer would move forward with the entitled housing project. This slide provides some geographic context. The 770 Woolsey Street site is located less than a quarter mile away from McLaren Park and Lewis Sutter Playground, where a new garden resource outreach and workshop center, the SF Grow Center, is under development. Palaga Recreation Center is less than half a mile away. While the site is located in an area of lesser need as defined by the 2014 recreation and open space element of the San Francisco General Plan, it would also serve adjacent areas of greater need. The site is also within an equity zone. As a reminder, equity zones are defined as the 20% most disadvantaged census tracts in the city based on 10 demographic and health indicators. As I mentioned previously, the site is currently owned by a developer who has approved plans to develop housing on site. The neighborhood groups are planning to execute their option to acquire the parcel from the developer by July 2022. Should the neighborhood groups acquire the land, Rack Park plans to acquire a portion of it once subdivided. We estimate the Rack Park portion to be around 15,000 to 19,000 square feet and the cost of the acquisition should be commensurate with the actual size Rec Park acquires, up to $3 million. In April 2022, Prozac reviewed this potential acquisition and unanimously adopted a resolution to add the future Rec Park parcel to the department's acquisitions roster. Funding for the acquisition is available through the Open Space Acquisition Fund. No Rec Park funding has been identified for the remediation and development of the site. I'll now hand it over to my colleague, Abigail Mayer, who can provide additional information about the neighborhood groups and our work with them on this project and how this work is being complicated by the behested legislation. Hello, commissioners. Abigail Mayer with Rec Park Partnerships team. As my colleague Yael shared, the partners of this project are the Friends of 770 Woolsey, the Greenhouse Project, and the San Francisco Parks Alliance, collectively known as the Neighborhood Groups. The Friends of 770 Woolsey is an unincorporated association that formed to advocate to transform the site into a community farm. And the Greenhouse Project is a nonprofit that supports residents in promoting green spaces, urban agricultural, and greater sustainability in the neighborhood. 
As I'm sure you are aware, the Parks Alliance is a citywide parks nonprofit in San Francisco. Their community partner program supports park stewards interested in improving public spaces across the city. Parks Alliance provides these partners with administrative support and guidance for fundraising and project management. They hold the private funds in specific partner accounts. The Greenhouse Project is one of their fiscally sponsored community partners. Rec Park and the neighborhood groups have been working on a partnership to align Rec Park urban agricultural goals with the community's desire to transform the 770 Woolsey site into a community farm. However, working on the fundraising aspect of this partnership project is not in compliance with the city's new behested payments ordinance, and therefore staff have not been able to continue working with the neighborhood groups on a concept plan for the Rec Park parcel and on an agreement for the proposed project. Supervisor Ronan and General Manager Ginsburg are eager to move forward with a set-aside resolution to show support of the future acquisition and of the neighborhood group's fundraising campaign and vision. The resolution before you today contemplates setting aside up to $3 million from the Open Space Acquisition Fund for the acquisition of a portion of the 770 Woolsey site, subject to terms and conditions. The resolution urges the Board of Supervisors and Ethics Commission to amend the behested payment ordinance to enable a partnership with the neighborhood groups. This slide shows what's in the resolution. The resolution states the following five requirements in order to be able to move forward with the project. As I mentioned, number one, amend behested payments legislation. Two, we must agree upon the specific portion of the site that will compromise the rec park parcel and then legally subdivide the site into the two parcels. Uh, the neighborhood groups uh, must remediate and develop the rec park parcel. Um, as we mentioned before, the only public funding identified at this point is the acquisition funds. Um, and we seek their help in securing funding for operations and maintenance of the rec park parcel. We would then need to negotiate and sign an agreement to memorialize all partners' roles and responsibilities and then develop an agreed-upon concept plan for both parcels. Since we'll be uh, neighbors, we want to make sure that we're working um, together to deliver the vision. This set-aside resolution does not replace standard acquisition review and approvals process. Once resolution terms are met, we look forward to returning to the commission with a concrete acquisition packet, which would include an accept and expend grant and an agreement with the neighborhood groups for the project. We are available for any questions. Thank you. Thank you very much. <coughs> Thank you. Is there Question. anyone in room? Go ahead. Okay. Is there anyone in room 416 who'd like to comment on this item? Come on up. You'll have two minutes. And those of you who are um, dialing in, please dial star three to raise your hand. Good morning, commissioners. Anna Herrera. I'm a legislative aide for District 9 Supervisor Hillary Ronan. Um, Thank you, staff, for your work on this project. And it doesn't look like General Manager Ginsburg is here today, but we want to thank for him for his support as well. I'm here to relay Supervisor Ronan's utmost support for this incredible project in our district. Uh, she really wishes she could be, be here with you today, but uh, as she effusively did with some of you when this item was at Capitol Committee, but she's in the middle of chairing budget right now as we speak, so that's why I'm here. 
Um, to really understand what this project means to San Francisco, it's, it's important to understand the neighborhood it centers around, which is the Portola neighborhood located, located in the east, southeast portion of the city. The Portola is a gem of a neighborhood and one of our city's best kept secrets. The community has really rallied around reviving its identity as the city's garden district, as it was known in the early 1900s when it was home to at least 19 commercial farms and greenhouse operations. Of these, the greenhouses at 770 Woolsey are all that remain. Walking around the Portola today, you'll still find multi-generational families of all races in this neighborhood, a testament to the community's resi resilience through all the changes in our city. Every year, the Portola hosts a garden tour where neighbors open up their homes to see each other's gardens. There are pocket parks everywhere, and most recently, the Freeway Greenway is being developed, this amazing greenway along the 101. The sense of community and pride in their neighborhood, and by turn, this project is really infectious. The Portola community has driven all these efforts, including the labor of love that is 770 Woolsey and the vision for this urban farm. It's truly a rare and unique opportunity for San Francisco to turn this 2.2 acre historic site into a fully working urban farm in the middle of a, the metropolitan city that is San Francisco. The site will be a self-sustaining operation that will boost the local economy with agriculture production and increase access to healthy produce in an undeserved part, under, underserved part of the city. A huge center focus of the urban farm will be an educational hub for students and visitors to learn about sustainable food systems and fostering relationships to the land. It just so happens that the site is also surrounded by several public and private schools but the vision is for students throughout the city and beyond to come visit and learn here. It will also be a revitalizing force for the struggling immigrant-owned businesses on San Bruno Avenue. It's hard not to underscore how fantastic of an opportunity this is for all of our city. The reason I'm here today on behalf of the supervisor is because the neighborhood groups have a really tight deadline of July 31st this year to raise all the funding necessary to purchase this site from the developer and make this vision a reality. The neighborhood groups have been fundraising a ton and are really close to, to meeting their, their funding goal. If the full commission supports this resolution today, this will bring the community even closer to making this urban farm a reality. Supervisor Ronan enthusiastically supports the approval of the set-aside resolution and I hope you will as well. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Dick, could I ask, well, what is the goal for the neighborhood on the amount they're raising? Um, my understanding is it was around uh, something around $15 million. Wow. And they're very close. It's incredible what this group, these groups have done. They're taking meetings on the weekends and the evenings. Um, it is just an incredible Great. amount. Great. Thank they're you. very close. Thank, Thank you. you. Any other public <coughs> comment in this room? Okay, and is there anyone on our line with their hand <coughs> raised? Oh, yes. Okay, we have quite a few raised hands. Mm. So, folks on the line, you'll have two minutes to speak. My, um, my bell is not working in here, but I'm going to try to fix that. Otherwise, I'll interrupt you at the two-minute mark. But first caller, go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, we can. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Philip Kua. I'm a Portola resident since 2013. I'm part of a neighborhood group here, the Gottingen Neighbors Group. We 
work on landscaping and beautifying a staircase on Dwight and Gottingen Street. Um, we've been active in the neighborhoods for uh, since the 90s, and um, we urge you to approve this resolution to set aside funding for 770 Woolsey. Um, we see these this uh, plot of land every day. Uh, I can see it from my window right now. And I just see it as this amazing and unique opportunity for not only just for our neighborhood, but for all of San Francisco. There is no other plot of land like this in San Francisco. And the potential that it has for the city and our neighborhood is tremendous. And it is just a once-in-a-lifetime uh, opportunity to do something unique and special and to live our green values to uh, create a community farm. So I really hope that you support uh, the, this project and that you uh, set aside funding for it. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Elisa Laird, and I represent the Friends of 770 Woolsey. The Portola has been working on creating a farm at this location for over a decade, and we are so excited to be as close as we are now to achieving it, hopefully with your support. The planned farm at 770 Woolsey is a centerpiece of the neighborhood's overall green plan. That plan was created with the input of hundreds of residents in multiple languages and has guided neighborhood greening projects like the one that Philip was just talking about, this one and others since 2014. I also serve as a D9 representative on the PROSEC committee and uh, acquisition there when discussed was heartily and unanimously endorsed. Uh, PROSEC was so excited to potentially add this farm to RPD's portfolio. Um, it would significantly increase uh, or further the mission of the citywide urban agriculture program, and that was a big part of why PROSAC was excited about it, and uh, RPD's own commitments to promoting urban agriculture within the city, um, creating a healthier food system, it's an equity zone site in the southeast. These are all really um, valid and important reasons why we think this is so important to acquire. And then as, as, as just mentioned, 2.2 acres in San Francisco is such a rare acquisition opportunity for Rec Park. So we really hope that we've got this limited window to have to create a working farm. We really um, urge you to uh, approve the set-aside money and uh, help us create this, this special and unique property in the Portola. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, as a master gardener, an urban farm at 770 Woolsey makes terrific sense, as does a partnership with SF Rec and Park. And what better neighborhood than the Garden District to collaborate and provide educational opportunities for the Portola's urban farming community? For example, a location for the San Francisco Bay Area master gardeners to hold classes create, maintain, and augment a demonstration area for farming makes great sense. We need more community-centered spaces. And with organizations looking for venues to share current research on coastal farming, integrative pest management practices, 
conduct plant clinics and water management applications are only a tip of the iceberg. The Portal of Green plan flags this city block as a centerpiece for the Portal community. And with an urban farm replacing the extant greenhouses makes this a more than suitable location and a stellar centerpiece. This urban farm is 10 years in the making and a project the neighborhood is greatly in favor of. So lastly, a partnership with Reckon Park to support and lead urban ag, share information on creating healthier food systems and serve southeastern San Francisco is a bonus for our community and the city at large. Therefore, I urge this community, this committee to set aside acquisition funding for 770 Woolsey. This is an amazing opportunity and the time is now. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. Kelly Torres, fourth generation San Franciscan, a Portola resident and a member of Friends of 770 Woolsey. Thank you. Next speaker. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Rihanna Tong. I grew up in the Portola and much of my family still lives there and I still consider the neighborhood my home. I would like to urge you to approve this resolution and set aside acquisition funding for 770 Woolsey. The neighborhood has put immense time and energy into understanding community goals and incorporating these into a vision for a farm at the site. I have heard from families with children in the neighborhood who are so excited with the prospect of this becoming a community learning and gardening space. I've heard from passersby, people who have lived in the neighborhood for years and still do, some of who had to move away, and some from other neighborhoods of the city who share enthusiasm for a community-based project, a place where all people can learn and get hands-on experience with gardening, especially young people. And I think this is especially important because a community member recently, um, they're an elementary school teacher in a city, and they recently shared with me that she had tried to get her students to do some gardening in the classroom, and many of her students refused to touch the soil because they were afraid of getting their hands dirty. This is totally understandable that they are city kids and likely haven't been exposed to gardening and agriculture. We now have the opportunity to help them grow and learn by offering more sites for education, learning where their food comes from, and maybe even growing some of their own. This is an environmental learning um, experience, an opportunity. It's especially important for a neighborhood that doesn't currently have access to this type of hands-on agriculture education. Um, and it's an investment in the future of San Francisco that also celebrates the neighborhood's history. Um, please approve the resolution to set aside acquisition funding for 770 Woolsey. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Claire Turner and I am a project manager with the Greenhouse Project. I was born and raised in San Francisco and I attended elementary school and middle school in the Port of the District. I've worked in urban agriculture throughout my career and I wholeheartedly support the plan for the development of 770 Wolsey Street into a working community farm. Having RPD as a partner on the site ensures a close collaboration between RPD's public serving mission to support and help lead urban agriculture and to serve the Southeast in creating a healthier food system. The site plan for 770 Wolsey Street has had incredible community support. The project has been conceptualized in close collaboration with neighborhood leaders who you've already heard from today, food systems le leaders, and a growing list of community partners. The plan for the site is centered around a working farm, but there's so much more to the effort that will make it inviting to artists, educators, and neighbors, both old and new. 
The site plan is underpinned by a rigorous feasibility study, and the team has had active and diverse working groups developing this vision for what this site will become. And we're considering everything from operations and labor to governance, partnerships, and education, and all of this centers equity, justice, and community relevance. Can you still hear me? Yes, go ahead. This project represents an extraordinary once-in-a-generation opportunity to celebrate our neighborhood's rich history, which also helps contribute to a sustainable future for San Francisco. The farm will be a permanent site for urban food production and also community building and educational programming, specifically around our food systems and environmental stewardship. This site promises to connect San Francisco's agricultural past to a more sustainable future. Cities like New York, Chicago, and Detroit have all taken up serious urban agricultural projects ahead of our California cities, and 770 Woolsey Street is an incredible opportunity for San Francisco to join these cities across our country and across the world in charting a more sustainable food system and future. Thank, Thank you. you. Right on time. Okay, next speaker. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Eric Keith Rottenberg, and I'm a Portola resident of almost nine years. I'm speaking to you today to implore you to approve this vital resolution to set aside acquisition funding for 770 Woolsey. The neighborhood's vision for a farm at 770 Woolsey is longstanding collaborative efforts. And as someone who's been here for as long as I have, I've seen this plot of land and walk past it day after day with my dog and thinking about how we can activate this and make it something we all can be proud of and vital for the current residents of San Francisco and future residents. This is something that is truly once in a lifetime to make something special that we all can take part in and grow from. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next speaker. Good morning, commissioners. Um, my name is Caitlin Galloway. I'm with the Greenhouse Project as well, one of the project partners. Um, it's been said we've been working for about 10 years in close collaboration with the Portola around acquiring the site and fleshing out a, a very well-considered vision uh, for a, a community-centered working farm. So I urge you to recommend this set aside to the board. Um, this resolution is really crucial in helping to enable this this site as a community asset. So um, I come to this project with over a decade of experience in urban ag in San Francisco. So I wanna use my time now to just give some brief context for the project. Why is this important to so many people? Why urban agriculture, why here? Um, so big, big picture to be brief, our, our food systems need a lot of work. Um, as they exist now, they are major contributors to climate change. So major shifts need to happen to begin to fix this uh, for future generations. So we know that shifting toward a thriving, more community-focused local food economy is part of the work. We also know that cities will play a huge role. Um, cities are where ideas and awareness propagates. So bringing a portion of our food production back into cities visible to urban residents is essential. We also know that in order for urban ag to really take hold in San Francisco, uh, where land is hard to come by, permanently devoted space is really critical. So we have a singular, uh, rare, very time sensitive opportunity in 770 Woolsey. Um, so we're proposing a working landscape for food production, for educational programming and partnerships, and for uh, you know space for community events. 
So this is a real relic of a site that holds so much agricultural history, um, so much cultural history, and it, it has the potential more than any other available space in San Francisco to really put our city on the map in terms of um, food systems education and food systems reform. I don't know that we'll see another opportunity like this one. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Maggie Weiss. I am the chair of the Portland Neighborhood Association. I'm so thankful this recommendation passed through the Capitol Committee last week, and I humbly encourage you to approve this resolution to set aside acquisition funding for 770 Wolsey. There is neighborhood support, indeed raging enthusiasm for this project for its commitment to equity and community collaboration. This support has built for over a decade now and rests at a pivotal point in need of your support. The neighborhood's vision for a farm at 770 Wolsey is a long-standing collaborative effort. Support is also coming from a broader San Francisco constituency who are inspired by this educational community building vision and execution. After 31 years as an educator and administrator at the San Francisco School in the Portland, I can assure you this school community supports this plan. The school visits the site annually with students to realize the Garden District history more vividly and to visualize the hope this project provides. The children are wide-eyed and they buzz with questions and insightful recommendations. This farm at 770 is a centerpiece of the Portal of Green Plan, which summarized the vast public outreach feedback to make recommendations for greening the Portola. Whereas my organization, the Portola Neighborhood Association's Garden, Garden Club, has taken up the Freeway Greenway project, the Greenhouse project has been dedicated to this project since 2013. This project does represent a once-in-a-generation opportunity to celebrate our Garden District history while helping to contribute to an educational model of a sustainable future for San Francisco. Having Reckon Park as a partner on the site ensures a close collaboration between Reckon Park's public serving mission to support and help lead urban agriculture and to serve the Southeast, creating a healthy food system. Thank Thanking you. you in advance for your stewardship. Next speaker. Hello, caller. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Rick Alvarez, and I reside in Crocker, Amazon but was raised in the portal and still have ties to the area. I'd like to urge the commission to approve this resolution to set aside acquisition funding for 770 Woolsey. Several years ago, I would walk my dog outside the old greenhouses. Oftentimes I'd look at the decaying structures longing for a repurposed urban farm in the spirit of the gone but not forgotten Hayes Valley Farm and Little City Gardens. When I heard of the greenhouse project and Friends of 770, I joined in the effort. Both groups have worked relentlessly to gather community support in and around the portal. The site for the farm would be a centerpiece of the neighborhood garden district identity. The site for the farm would also be a destination location for locavorism and green infrastructure that can be applied and on display for the public at large. We're grateful for the support of the community 
Prozac, and the Capital Committee. In closing, we would appreciate your support. Please approve the resolution. Thank you for listening. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Alex Hobbs. I'm here calling on behalf of the Portola Garden Club and our five directors. We are currently building a four block long greenway along San Bruno Ave. Uh, this project was actually created by the same folks who are bringing the greenhouse project to you today. Um, and I mention this because it really goes to show how this community can move big projects forward when we're empowered to do so. Since 2017, we've constructed two city blocks just through volunteers within the community. Um, and it's really important that the city supports grassroots efforts like this. When communities are saying we want this, it's critical that the money can come to make it move forward. Um, Southeast San Francisco is really at a deficit of larger attractions that bring people to this part of the city and sheds a good light on it. We really pull our weight down here in this part. We have the sewer treatment plant. We have the water storage facility right next to this site. We have the dump. We have all these different things that make San Francisco run. And what you have before you today is a request to say, give us something that we can be proud of and that the whole Southeast can rally around because there are good things down here. And part of that is we have sunlight and we have amazing soil for growing. So I implore you to please approve this and let our community build itself. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Do we have any other callers? There are no more callers. Okay, thank you. All right, is there anyone else in the room who'd like to comment on this item? All right, seeing no further comment, public comment is closed. Commissioners? It's not on, uh, thank you. Commissioner Hallisey, did you have a comment? I do. Um, question for Abigail. Thank you for the report, Abigail, I appreciate it. Um, so there's a request of up to $3 million from the Open Space Acquisition Fund, which will give RPD 15 to 20% ownership of that property. Correct. Correct, okay. Now, I'm curious, it, this seems to be in reverse here, and so I want you to help me out on this. It would seem there would be a plan in place as to who is going to control which parcel before the, the property is purchased. I would, but now I also understand that the negotiations have stalled because of the, the behest legislation. But I'm curious as to in how many negotiations have there been. And it seems to me that you would want to be very happy with your investment in this project and would know which part of that property you would get. Right, so this, um, since it's still a work in progress and our negotiation, oh sorry, since it's a work in progress, is that okay? And our negotiations have stalled a bit. Um, what, we're, what we decided was the best route forward was to look at a section that would be parcelized from the property. 
So it would be very clear the area that um, Reckon Park would hold jurisdiction of, which is one of the reasons why this is a resolution in support of a set-aside versus um, going forward with an acquisition. And because we don't have the parcel yet, right? It's one full parcel. So um, before the city could acquire space, the area needs to be parcelized. And then that portion of the property would become a parcel that the um, city can take ownership of. Okay. And so since there's a lot of steps that needs to happen before um, one could parcelize that section, it's too difficult to um, have everything align um, in with you know with the timing of their of the needs of the group. So the purchase is first, and then the nego negotiations go on as to what part of that property you get. Yes. Now I got to say, I love that neighborhood. I have family members in the neighborhood. I worked in that neighborhood, but it gets very and it's more sunshine or as much sunshine as any other place in town. But it gets very windy and blustery in that neighborhood in the evenings as well. And I would think when we're talking about open space and we're talking about solid structures all being <coughs> included in this parcel, that, that where you put that open space because of those evening conditions would be super important. And I just, that's, that's just the question I had. Now, and I know that these have been stalled. No, I mean, it's a great question. And there have been, um, the community organizations have done a feasibility study of <coughs> where um, the structures would be focused and where the um, open space and farmland would be um, <coughs> likely to be on the, on the parcel. Um, you know, it's just that piece hasn't been solidified yet, although they do have a lot of plans that they've, um, you know, been moving forward with. Okay, very good. But yeah. I, I, would, I would really urge RPD or your, your negotiating team, the, the, that building, that solid building could provide an excellent buffer to the open space in that neighborhood. Uh, as I said, love the <coughs> neighborhood, but those are the conditions yeah. uh, that you have out there. Thank you for that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Commissioner. Commissioner Anderson. Oh, thank you, everyone. Um, so I, I wanted to just make sure I understood a couple questions I had. If I'm understanding, the acquisition would be or could possibly be 14 to 15 million for for the whole parcel. For the whole parcel. The and um, the Rec and Park portion is between 15 to 20 percent of that right. parcel. Got that. Part so too. that it needs to be. It, that's why it needs to be parcelized before the city can acquire it. Yeah. Um, and the friends of 770 Woolsey are on track to raise about nine million dollars. I and believe so. Anna, do you have more information? Uh, well, I, I just, just by <laughs> way of illustration. And, and they work with the San Francisco Parks Alliance in stewarding, protecting and stewarding those funds. And the Parks Alliance also helps with grants, right? If there are eligible grants out there, they will help. Okay, so it's, it's a multi-tiered process for bringing these funds together, together to, to buy this parcel. And in the resolution that we're going to be asked to look at, there's discussion of that and the fact that our auxiliary group, Prozac, recommends that we hold those funds in the open space acquisition fund. Um, but then there's also a part of the resolution where we, the commission, are supposed to urge the Board of Supervisors 
and the Ethics Commission to take urgent action not only to support this project, but we would have to admit, amend Behested Payments Ordinance to enable a partnership between Rec and Park and the neighborhood groups. So when I was listening to the comments, particularly those who called in, for us, it's not really an issue of is this a good thing. This is a great thing. I am fully in support of this. Please tell Supervisor Ronan we want this to happen. It looks like we're dealing with this, this difficulty here in how can we now do it the way we used to do it, and that is an open, transparent, public-private partnership because we don't always have the money. That we don't have money in the city coffers to do the things we want to do. We have to work with private organizations and friends groups. So I, I, I want to support this, but I just want the listening public to know that we're not standing in the way of this happening. There's something going on legislatively, which I think has unintended consequences of sort of blocking this kind of thing that has worked so well. I think San Franciscans love their parks and their open spaces and their urban farms and their marina. And what are we supposed to do now? Our hands are tied. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Commissioner, Commissioner Louie. Um, so I think we're all in total agreement. I mean, this new legislation is, um, we would not have the beautiful Francisco Park today if this ordinance was in place. And so um, as things are kind of like, with the understanding, I, I am not an attorney lawyer like Commissioner Anderson is, um, but I am a resident of San Francisco, and I could see how um, the new behested legislation is going to um, jeopardize projects in the future. <coughs> and um, you have these wonderful uh, community groups that are love their parks so much that they're donating their funds, but the Rec and Park Department can't, can't accept it because we can't allocate it. So who is really losing out here are the residents of San Francisco. So um, now that we're here, we meet once a month. I mean, this is very disturbing. And um, I, something needs to be done. I mean, the, 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 the legislation needs to be amended. Otherwise, we won't have beautiful parks and open space. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, seeing Commission, no other comments. I believe Supervisor Ronan's office would like to chime in. Oh, go ahead, please. Yes. If I may, um, then are on the topic of the behested payments legislation, and Supervisor Ronan has been speaking with General Manager Ginsburg about this at length, and she is fully committed to amendments, and that is why this is in the resolution, is to urge the supervisors and the Ethics Commission to make mm -hmm. amendments. And in fact, we actually introduced an amendment that would acquire, let, let, the, let acquisitions like these move forward. Um, and the supervisor is committed after budget, because we're in the thick of it right now, to work, work, continue to work on additional amendments so that you know, uh, public-private partnerships like these can move forward. And that is something that she really wanted to also express to you today is her full commitment to this. And, and that is why, to support this resolution, to send that message also to the rest of the board. Thank you very much. Thank you. Seeing no other comment, uh, I want to make. I was going to make two comments, but that just answered one of them for me. 
The second is for just as an observation, for 15 years I uh, chaired the board of a nonprofit called the Chez Panisse Foundation that had the Edible Schoolyard Project in Berkeley. And I can tell you firsthand that when kids get their fingers dirty in an agricultural setting and grow sustainable food and then eat it, they're the ones who guide their parents, as Michael Pollan said, to the rim of a supermarket where all the fresh vegetables are and not the center where all the processed food is, and mm -hmm. it changes their life forever. So nothing could be more positive or have a better influence than this kind of uh, project so I'm a hundred percent enthused about it and I was going to make the observation that got answered that I think Supervisor Ronan will become a big fan of amending this legislation so that <coughs> the Rec and Park Department can get back to collaborative partnerships with the community and with that the chair would entertain a motion so moved seconded it's been moved and seconded all those in favor aye, aye. aye unanimously approved thank you very much thank you okay <coughs> thank you we are now on item nine marina rules and regulations and as a reminder to the public we are not hearing item 10 today Morning. Good to be vertical for once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good to or see you. Not soggy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it did bring a great perspective to both boating safety uh, when you're in the water, uh, the bay water, for an hour with no help, oh, as wow. well as just other things go with ADA. Now that I'm going from a cast, or went from walker to cast to other, and now it's just one cane. Nice so to I see I'm you I'm upright. I've seen a lot of interesting things with it. Uh, <coughs> it's good to see that uh, we have some members of the boating community here. What I'm presenting today is a modification to the rules and regulations, specifically what's called temporary suspension. And in very general or terms, you know, I reached out also to uh, partnerships of my Pacific Coast Congress, our Harmasters and Port Captains, which is Alaska, British Columbia, Washington, Oregon, California, as well as the uh, Bay Area Marina Operators, uh, which is about 60 marinas. And this is a very rare, if not even found, uh, way of running a marina, is to give back a discount to your boaters. Uh, it's kind of like having an apartment building and you're renting rooms out in that apartment, or, or apartments out and someone's saying, hey, I'm going to be gone for a while, and I need to have a discount while, you're, while I'm gone. Um, there's a lot of different modifications to how to rent apartments anymore, but the thing is the general intent is the same. Uh, it's impacting us around 70000 a year, and if you add that up over 10 to 12 years, it's a chunk of change. And <coughs> the hard part is it's also uh, a difficult one to manage. Many of our boaters who do use it uh, and it's not to say that they're a problem, but what they do is they'll call up the day of or they'll be on the water or gone and say, oh, by the way, I need temporary suspension now. And it's always a business hurry up and run type mode versus a planned one. Uh, so, you know, it becomes a hassle for the staff that we have to have to deal with that. And then they may not show up back when they said they would. 
they either are out there longer or they come in earlier and then we have to either redo all the book work on the billing for that time because maybe they weren't qualified then at that time for temporary suspension. Uh, this rule basically, the modification is to allow us to credit back when the, the birth is rented by us uh, and, and it does it after they've returned. So we're basically, they give us a notification, they're gone, when they come back we go through the books and figure out how many times we rented out the space. It makes it easier for us. It also, you know, it's a shared thing. If we have revenue that came in, they get their, for the days it's rented, they get credit back. So it's a win-win in our perspective. May not be in the boaters' perspective for some, but we do have some who are taking their boats out of the Bay Area or up into the Delta areas and storing their boats in the cheaper locations that are covered mortgage or taking them worldwide cruising uh, by truck for races and such. And you know, we're as citizens or as the citizens of San Francisco are paying for that time that they're gone by having a credit that way. And you know, it's we're trying to find a win-win situation here. <coughs> this is just something that we need to change. I'll take any questions. Thank you. Uh, I do have a question before we get to public comment, and that is 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 this practice that you're proposing one that's generally accepted in the industry? Even this is, is not common, to give back a credit for whatever. So they don't, they don't give anything back? No. Got it. Okay. Thank you. All right. So we'll move to public comment on item nine. <coughs> uh, first, we'll start with people in room 416. Um, and if you didn't fill out a card, that's fine. Just come up one at a time. You'll have two minutes to speak. I'll take this off so you can hear me better. Um, I support the idea of making a change, but I would like to go back to the previous situation years ago where a birth holder could put his second boat in, the same slip that he's paying for already, he or her, uh, subject to providing proper documentation of the boat's insurance and seaworthiness and title, that the person has title to the boat, to the harbor master. Secondly, um, that the person be able to advertise that the slip is available and uh, perhaps give the harbor 25% of whatever he's getting. Um, for their hassle of looking at the paperwork and make sure it's documented. Um, the reason is that the harbor master has no incentive to rent that person's slip out and give them any revenue because he's got so many others identical slips available. And so that person is actually not going to get 25% or anything. They're going to get zero because they're, they're not renting those slips out. They don't do any advertising or marketing. If I left for three months, I'd have a huge incentive to do the work needed to try to fill my slip. But right now, there's no incentive. I have no incentive, and he has no incentive. He doesn't care to fill that slip because he's going to get revenue filling another slip. The harbor does absolutely no marketing of these slips. And so I suggest a modification to the proposal that a birth holder be able to put their other boat in the slip at no cost, assuming it meets approval. And if they be allowed to advertise and market it, the contract for rental subletting be approved by the harbor master, let the harbor collect 25% of that, which is done by many co-op buildings. I know in New York, if you rent your co-op out for a year or whatever you're allowed to, the building collects the 25%. And it's completely fair. Right now, there's no market mechanism proposed here that's going to make any optimal use of that space, and it's totally dead space. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker.
Good morning, Commission. Uh, my name is Teresa Brander. I have been a birth holder since 2004, and I've had slips had slips in both the <laughs> a tall problem slips in both the East and West harbors over that time. And um, I did send a letter early this morning. I don't know if you've had a chance to read it. I do have some concerns. I just wanted to share some of the history as well. And, um, and by the way, Scott, it's nice to see you up walking around again. Um, um, I do want to just share that this this change. Okay. This change does affect me quite significantly, and the reality is, I bought a boat to go sailing, not to keep it tied up, not to keep it tied up at the dock. And sometimes that sailing is for the afternoon, sometimes it's for a day, sometimes it's a week, and I also go cruising with my now nine-year-old daughter in the summer, just she and I, just the two of us. I'm a single mom, sole parent. We also sometimes take her friends. We give girls access to boating that they wouldn't otherwise had, have had. I take disabled sailors out, and I take at-risk youth sailors out, all in my boat. Sometimes, and that's sometimes when I'm doing the summer cruising. So. Um, so this, again, this adversely affects the, the cost effectiveness of that. And um, I, I heard the analogy that this might be like an apartment. And the, the difference and the reason it's not like an apartment is because apartment holders don't have to pay property tax on their slip. And I do pay property tax on their slip, on my slip. Also, um, my, the harbormaster can rent out the slip or sublet the slip. A landlord would not do that. So again, I understand that this might seem similar, but it's quite different than an apartment scenario. Also, um, there's a significant number of vacant slips, and as um, the previous speaker, Bruce, mentioned, um, there, there's not really an incentive to market this. Um, I used to have a slip in the East Harbor, and I would go away for a month cruising in the summer, and I would sublet that slip. And I was, at the time, the rules allowed me to do that. I just wanted to pay for the slip. I didn't earn any extra money from that. The rule changed about 2013. More than happy to have the harbor collect that money and give me a discount. I don't mind paying a 25% premium for that, but I have no ability to help the harbor master find a slip, find a person for that slip. It would give more people access to the marina if, if that were the case. So I'd love to collaborate and work together on a partnership with that as well. I think the other boaters would too. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, our bell is not, not working today. Is there anyone else in room 416 who wanted to speak on item nine? Okay, seeing none, I'm just gonna give the folks on the line one more opportunity to raise their hand just in case. Uh, for folks calling in, you can dial star three to raise your hand. James, just give them a couple seconds and let me know again if, if it's a zero. Okay, thank you. So seeing no further callers, public comment is closed. Commissioners? Commissioners? I had a question. Sometimes changes like this, I'm just wondering if, I'm reading here in the memo about the proposed change resolves misuse of the present regulation and will improve sustainability of the revenue in the marina. Um, are we able to comment a little bit on what this misuse was is it is it I can quite give you a couple good examples. Is it quite a without, substantial without giving individual boat names and such. Okay. Uh, we have a couple that are classic woodies that come in for one quarter of the year and they're in the seventy five foot range. So it's quite a dollar amount for the berth. And the hard part is when they're gone they go to a 
Delta area marina where they can put it in, under cover or a boat house where the garage door opens and the boat drives into the garage. The, that kind of abuse is- Scott, continued. sorry to interrupt you. Can you speak closer, closer maybe to yeah. that, that mic <laughs> over there? I, they just can't hear you on the TV. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's good. Okay, sounds like, yeah. yeah. So I think part of the problem is, is that it's also, you know, we have very, in the language that's presently there, it says may. And the problem with that is that to argue every voter, if I say no, with that word may, creates a whole nother caveat of work. But it's also a nightmare for the process. You know, you should be able to say, this is how it is, this is what we do. Not, oh, we have to have the harbor master, maybe we'll do it for you. I mean, I, I came in this morning to the office and the first thing is we had two people wanting to go out on temporary suspension. And they were saying, we're already leaving. So it's, it's that type of thing, all of a sudden they remember to do it, now we gotta email them the form because they weren't ready for it. There's this kind of a process that goes through. And for me not to have the opportunity to say, let me see if you're credible before they leave. Have you, you know, are they behind in payments? Uh, all those things that go on with this. Uh, you know, from is their credit good in the sense of they're paying their bills? Uh, do they have any violations that we're concerned with? Because there's other things that go on in the marina, not just this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we had to look at their, their account. And when we can't have the opportunity to look at the account, and they expect they're leaving, they're jumping on a plane, the boat's going away, whatever it might be, it makes it more difficult. Uh, it was talked about a lot of empty slips. We're at 95% full. And at any marina you go to, there's usually a 2 to 5% turnover. And we have a wait list of over 220 boats. Uh, it was mentioned at one of the past meetings that, well, the 40-foots will never be full. They're full. They were taken. The five that were taken immediately were snagged up by the other people who were called on the wait list. Uh, depth is an issue in the marina, but it's not a design problem. It's a, some of the spots have a maximum depth they can go <clears throat> for the berth because of what's underneath the cap sand, contamination or other requirements under the berthing permitting of BCDC and others. So when we offer, when we offer a berth, we say, here's the depth now. We also are doing that because we've had complaints they didn't realize it was the depth it was. Maybe they thought they needed a deeper berth, whatever. I mean, I have a boat, I'm a boat owner. I came into a berth at Oyster Point where I had five feet of water underneath me at my deepest depth. And now I sit on the bottom because the Weta Ferries are dumping sand underneath me. And so I understand the situation, but it comes down to where we have a 5% turnover. We're full marina on the west side. The east side, we're slowly closing it down because of the condition of the marina. And we're trying to push everybody together in the good bursts and slowly close down the others for removal at some point soon. Can, can I ask the, the question that was raised about an individual being able to market their own berth? What's the liability of that from the management standpoint? If they if they were to go out and say, let's say at the Yacht Club, hey, put a sign up on the board, I'm going to be gone, my berth is available, uh, they still have to contact the office to you know, get that berth or any berth of that size. And, you know, we try to work with everybody. Like, we have a few of them when they call up, they say, I'm going to be gone for six months, 
here's my big boat, you know, 80 foot or whatever space. Can you find it? You know, if you see anybody, let them rent it. And we do that. But how about if they want to find someone and refer they, them? They still have to refer them to our office. Because you have to I have consider liability yeah, sorry, insurance. Yeah I, have, yeah, I have to see if conditions. the insurance is valid. Yeah. Got it. So uh, there isn't any prohibition of someone no, marketing their own no, group. Okay. No, not at all. And you would be willing to say, I know that you, person A, would like me to, right. to give your slip first because well, you're going to bring me the person. You right. work with them, right? And the more notice we get when they're going on temporary suspension, it helps us even more. And, you know, advertising, there's a lot of advertising that is not by paper, but I, I foresee us doing more for marketing, but you know, we we are full house during the holiday seasons of Fleet Week and other events that come up. We also have, we leave space, we have a percentage that we leave space of a minimum of 2% all the time. But we actually have about 7 to 8% all the time because of the temporary suspension, plus our vacant space that's for guest boating. Thank you. Yeah, please. Um, so what is the shortest period of time that someone can rent a slip? One day. One day, okay. Yeah, Is it's and it, it's the rates change. We have uh, this commission approved. I think it was with COVID. I've lost track of when it was, but it was about two two plus years ago. So in the off season, we're two dollars a foot. During the peak season, we're four dollars a foot. Got it. Thank you. And all of this information is on the website somewhere, people. So that is a form of advertising. Yeah. There. Okay. Good. Any other questions? Seeing none, the chair would entertain a motion. Oh, I, uh, oh, sorry, Denny. It's Denny. Uh, yep, Denny, please. Thanks, President Buell. Uh, I, I just wanted to uh, uh, re reinforce the, some of the points that Scott made. Uh, in answer to your very good question, uh, this is not a common practice in marina operation or management anywhere on the Pacific Coast. Uh, number two, it, it, it is, I think Scott's documented the, the lost revenue that is, that is uh, <coughs> we're subject to here. And, the marina fund, you know, as it you know, funds all the marina operations, if we have the lost revenue, uh, then it's the San Francisco taxpayers who make it up. And number three, um, really what, we're, what uh, Scott's proposing to do is to take the word may out of the, the regulation because the, when it's may, it, it, uh, <coughs> it leaves us, the department at large, you know, kind of exposed to a high degree of subjectivity which is argumentative, and you know, sure. you know, if if this person, why not the other person? Circumstances are different. No, they're not, and then it, it, it continues, and, and so it goes. So I just wanted to make those points. Thank you very much. Okay, seeing no other questions, the chair would entertain a motion. Uh, I'm sorry. Did, did you want to speak to the issue? I'll defer to the secretary. Um, we haven't voted on it yet, so if you'd like to reopen public yep, comment, we'll you can have two minutes. We'll reopen public comment since you haven't spoken yet? <clears throat> so my name is Greg Arcus. I do not have a boat here, but I do have it someplace else, and I'm very familiar with some harbor rules in other harbors. Um, to the point of it not being common practice for subletting, that's really not true, because as uh, Ms. Brander said, the nature of having a boat is to travel with it. So it is common practice in my personal harbor, it's up to a year. And that happens often. And if there is a, a demand for slips, if it is short, then there's usually people that are more than happy to take over a slip for whatever the period of time is, whether it be a month, three months, whatever. So 
it is a limited resource, and as a boater, I can tell you, it's very hard to find a slip in almost any harbor, yet my personal experience in the city marina is it's wide open all the time. So there are quite a few places. So I, I think there needs to be some verification on really what the, the usage is and what the open the vacancies are and the subletting policies and some stats on how often uh, slips have been sublet in the past. This I don't think what I've heard here matches what I've witnessed in actuality. Thank you very much. <coughs> okay, seeing no other speakers, we'll close public comment again and uh, the chair would entertain a motion. Get a motion? Yes. <laughs> so moved? Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, been moved. Is there a second? Second? Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none, it's unanimous. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, everyone. We are now going to be in a closed session, but before we close uh, the room to members of the public, is there any public comment on all matters pertaining to the closed session? Anyone on our call in line with their hand raised, SFGovTV? No. Okay. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. For members of the public viewing this item or listening in on the dial-in number, please note that we'll be, we will be back after closed session for general public comment, again, as well as the remainder of the agenda. To see when we are back, please watch live on sfgovtv.org. As a reminder, our call-in number is 415-655-0001, and the access code is 2492-098-8894. At this time, we would ask all staff who are not pertinent to this item to please leave the meeting. Okay, and if everyone could um, just be patient while folks are heading out. Commissioners, in the meantime, could we make a, a motion and a second to go into closed session? Is there so a motion? Moved. It's been moved. Is there a second? Second. Moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. Okay, just give me a moment. I am uh, SFGovTV. You can put us in the closed session, and I'm going to go and put the sign outside. So give me a moment. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
We are now in open session. Commissioners, I need a motion and a second on whether you would like to report on the action taken in closed session. I would like to move that we do not report the action taken. I'll second that. Been moved and seconded. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. So moved. Thank you, Commissioners. I need a motion and a second on whether to disclose any or all discussions held in closed session. I would like to move that we not disclose the discussions that happened during closed session. Seconded. Moved and seconded. <laughs> all those in favor? Aye. 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 So moved. Thank you. We are now on item 16, general public comment. At this time, members of the public who are not able to address the commission on item 5 may address the commission on items that are within the subject matter jurisdiction of the commission and that do not appear on the agenda. Given that there are no people physically present in room 416, folks who are called in, you can dial star 3 to be added to the queue. SFGov TV, has anyone raised their hand? No. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. We are now on item 17, commissioners matters. Commissioners, do you have anything today? Through the chair. Yes, Commissioner uh, Mazzola. Nothing for uh, the agenda or anything, just point of information, I'm gonna have to miss the next meeting, I'll be out of town on business. Thank As you, sir. will I. Uh, is that, that's our July meeting? Oh, yes. I think I'm out of town as well. So the secretary will note all that and perhaps we'll have a conversation about the necessity of having a July meeting. That sounds like a plan. Anything else for commissioners matters? I'm going to find somewhere to go again. <laughs> <laughs> that, that solves you can the meet, you just can't take action. You can take information, but you can't take action. All right, let's move on. Did you have something? No. Okay. Any public comment on commissioners matters on the line? We still have two callers, so I'm just going to make sure. None. Okay. Public comment is closed. We are now on item 18, new business agenda setting. Anyone have anything for this item? Don't see anything. Any public comment on item 18? No. Public comment is closed. We are now on item 19, communications. Is there any public comment on item 19? Or sorry, I think I'm off on item numbers. Yep. Item 15, communications. No public comment on communications. Communication, uh, public comment is closed. We're not, um, now on item 16, adjournment. Commissioner Hallisey. Uh, yes, thank you, President Buell. Um, I propose that we close today's meeting in memory of Michael Kearney. Uh, Mike passed away this past Sunday. Uh, he's a San Francisco native. His first job out of high school was working for the Rec and Park Department as a director at J.P. Murphy Playground on 9th Avenue. Uh, then he went into the fire department. He served 38 years in the fire department. And for the great majority of those years, he was the fire marshal at Camp Mather. And at the beginning of each summer session, uh, Mike gave a, a fire safety training class to all of the summer staff at Camp Mather. Um, terrific man, terrific fireman, and also uh, he loved the Recreation and Park Department as much as he loved the San Francisco Fire Department. So I would like to propose that we adjourn today's meeting in Mike's memory. Thank you, Commissioner. And I, there's a second to that, I'm sure. Second. second. And the Secretary might extend to the family a communication that we did adjourn in his memory and all those in favor. Aye. Aye. Aye.
Opposed, hearing none, it is unanimous. Thank you very much. Peace. And for those of you who won't be with us in July, I hope you have a very nice summer. I'll be on a boat.